Stay golden. Hurricane. Hello and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast. We are a weekly podcast covering Golden Hurricane Athletics at the University of Tulsa. I'm Ryan Token. I'm at Rectine. Uh, and we are back after a one-week hiatus because of the short week and traveling both to start and end last week. We're back. And we've got a really fun football game to kind of talk about. Um, obviously, I'm referring to the Temple game where Tulsa, I feel like we finally got a show of what I think the potential of this team is um whether or not you know you agree with me that's up for up for debate but i kind of feel like it's going to be going to be yes from you ryan yeah i do uh it was a hell of a game that was that that felt like the most complete tulsa football game i have seen in a very long time i don't know the last time i saw a full like all four quarters i was waiting for the fourth quarter for it to fall off a little bit so i wouldn't be able to say this because three three quarters of the way through i was thinking like, man, this is this has been awesome. Like, nothing has gone wrong, basically. Everything is going Tulsa's way. We've had some incredible catches, you know, just awesome play. And uh, no, it continued through the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about that for sure. Um, do you want to cover a couple of small things first before we get into the Temple recap? Uh, and Just so I don't forget about them at the end of the episode. And we are going to do our damnedest to keep this under an hour this time. We are both, both Matt and I are sick. We are both dealing with some colds right now. Uh, or something like a cold. Um, so not feeling awesome. So we're going to roll through this thing still in a good mood. Happy to talk about it. Excited to talk about it, but not going to be able to physically go for very long uh, without getting exhausted, I think, for either of us. So we're going to keep this one pretty short. So um, starting off, uh, before we get into the Temple recap, the Tulsa basketball non-conference schedule is out. Came out yesterday Maybe that was today. I think it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Um, that is out now. It has been a long wait. We were like one of the last. It was like there were 20 something teams in the country that like division one basketball teams, 300 and something of them uh, who hadn't yet put out their <laughs> put out their schedule and uh, like their non-conference. And finally, we did it. Um, so we were not in the bottom 20. We were like 20, 25th to go. Uh, so anyway, it's out and it is a snoozer. Uh, there is not much going on here. Uh, only one game outside the state of Oklahoma. That's a nice little note from Tulsa Hoff that I didn't catch right off the bat reading through this thing. Um, so that's kind of nice. And it's a lot of teams that are not big names. Let me just roll through them really fast. We've got home, Oklahoma Christian, Central Arkansas, Incarnate Word, Jackson State, South Carolina State, Loyola Chicago, Missouri State, Mississippi Valley State, New Mexico State, Southwestern Oklahoma State. A lot of states. A lot of states in those teams. On the road, we've got Little Rock, Oral Roberts, and Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State is only a half road game. That game's in Oklahoma City at the Paycom Center. Um, so of those, you know, there's not that much fun on there. We've got Oklahoma State. We've got ORU. Loyal Chicago is kind of fun. We played them last year, too. Uh, Little Rock, we've got some history with. Um, and, you know, some of the other ones we've played here and there, Central Arkansas, stuff like that. Uh, but, man, like... These are not teams that jump off the page and get you excited, really excited for basketball season. Um, but I, 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 you know, my hope and expect and my my guess here is like this was intentional. We have literally an all new team aside from one and a half players. Uh, so we'll see. Like I think this is mostly to settle our feet, get some wins under us, try to build some confidence, 
Um, despite, you know, a, a pretty bad strength of schedule, it'll be, um, it might not help the ratings very much getting those wins, but Hey, I think after you go five and 35 or whatever we were last year, not that it was like five and 25. After you do that for a season, uh, it's important to get some dubs, you know, stack up some wins under you. And I think that's the goal here. So yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but Hey, winning is more fun than losing. Um, what really would suck though, is if we lose a lot of these games, then it's, <laughs> then it's like the worst case scenario, you know, playing all these bad teams and we're also worse than them. So, uh, anyway, what did you think about this, Matt? Did you get to, did you get a look at the schedule and have any initial thoughts on it? I did. Um, I, I feel like I had a very similar take as you did just in terms of not very exciting. You know, you've got like one, maybe two marquee matchups, um, looking like Oklahoma state is one, like planning on going to that game. I think that'll be really fun. But outside of that one, you know, you're not really playing anybody super interesting. Um, although, you know, I say that now and ORU obviously has become a much different team than they were when we were playing them back when we were in school. Uh, but they are obviously, you know, different because they lost their head coach who we'll see later during the conference season. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, it'll be nice. You know, you get your money's worth as a season ticket holder, I'm sure. Um, because of all these games that are going to be at home or in Oklahoma, uh, but mostly because a lot of them are at home. But you're probably not going to see like a super exciting. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know. I was surprised by it, um, but also excited for it. You know, hopefully it means we get some wins. Um, so yeah, uh, that's it on that one. Uh, as the so the, the full schedule is out now. If you want to go find the the full thing, conference schedule's been out for a while. We were waiting on the non conference, so. That is out there now. Um, the last thing before we get into uh, Temple recap is a bit of a sad note. Um, I had never interacted with this guy, Matt. I don't know if you did, um, but he had been at the University of Tulsa for 50 years or, or over 50 years. Dr. George Mauerman goes by Doc. Um, he had been the team physician uh, for a lot of sports, I think, just across the board. He was like the physician. Um for a long, long, long time. And I was listening to Bruce Howard talk about him um, on a show this week. And Bruce has known him since the 80s. You know, they were roommates for a while and like way, you know, went way back. And uh, he had a lot of really nice things to say about him. So um, he, Bruce on on the radio show or on the uh, the Kevin Wilson show um, that they put on the I Heard the Hurricane podcast, he had some nice things to say. So I would recommend going and listening to that. Um, I don't have anything to add really since I didn't know him, but man, it seems like a lot of people really had a good relationship with this guy, really respected him, thought he lived a great life and, uh, and was a genuinely good, good man. So sad to hear that the, that the university lost a guy like that. Um, wish I would have gotten to interact with him here and there, uh, over time, but didn't. Um, but regardless, sad to lose him and, uh, Godspeed to, to him and his family. Okay, um, moving on. Let's talk some, uh, some Temple Recap, which is a much happier subject. Uh, man, big time win. 48-26 was the final score. It did not feel like it was even that close. There was a garbage time touchdown there at the end. There was a kick return touchdown for the first time this season uh, that hopefully won't happen again. And this was a dominant performance uh, on both sides of the ball for Tulsa, offensively and defensively. And before I forget to say it, we had our first first quarter touchdown of the season in this game, which five games in is pretty ridiculous to say out loud. Uh, but that is true. We had yet to score a first quarter touchdown going into this one. And uh, we finally did it here. It was on the opening drive of the game, 10 play 84 yard drive 
ended with a touchdown from Cardell Williams to Marquis Shoulders. Nice back shoulder throw there to Shoulders and put it away. So that finally got the monkey off our backs in the first quarter. Yeah, because I think this, like, if you just look back at all of the other games, we had zero against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff. We had three points against Washington, zero against Oklahoma again, and then two against NIU <laughs> last week. Yeah. And so it's nice to, you know, come away with not only seven, but I guess 14 in the end. Um, you know, I it's not even been this year's iteration of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. I feel like ever since we've done the podcast, it has always been so hard to get points in the first quarter for Tulsa. <laughs> yeah. And so, it, um, you know, maybe we're over the hump or maybe it's just not, nobody, nothing matters until conference play. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. I hope we're over the hump. Man, it'd be nice to have some hot starts every now and then. Um, this was this was the hottest start you could possibly have. I mean, it was it was electric. We were up big early and we didn't look back. Carter Williams, we'll start talking about him. I think he's one of the biggest talking points of this game going into next game. Um he played his he played his butt off. 14 for 17, 244 yards, three touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground, had 90 rushing yards, uh, led the team in rushing, right? He pretty much could do no wrong in this game. He beat people through the air. He beat them on the ground. He was unstoppable, um, which leads us to now we have a, an interesting question. It's a legitimately like it's an actual question people we're asking now. And we thought maybe it wouldn't be after the NIU game. The NIU game was really bad. He looked terrible in that one. Uh, and we were all kind of hoping Braxton would come back. He didn't come back. And then Cardell comes out and just lights them up uh, and plays his best game since the Pine Bluff opener. Um, so, Matt, I'll put it to you first. Assuming that Braylon Braxton is healthy after this 10-day break again after this uh, Thursday game. Um, we got FAU on Saturday afternoon. Do you think we bench Cardell after that kind of performance and bring back Braylon Braxton, who we haven't seen since week one? Or do you roll with the hot hand in Cardell Williams? Yeah, this is the question that makes me glad that I am not a uh, college football coach because, like, not to say optics or anything like that, but if you pull Cardell Williams for Braylon Braxton and Braxton comes out slow and struggling and it's like, you get, I feel like there is going to be a lot of pushback from the fan base specifically about, like, why would you do that? Why would you take out the guy who just lit Temple up? But at the same time, you know, like we have seen and on the road uh, for what it's worth. Cardell Williams has not played amazingly uh, on the road. You know, you look at Washington, he ended up, you know, he got hurt. He didn't, he looked a little shaky in that one. And then NIU, as you just previously talked about, you know, he did not look good on that game. So, you know, how much does that factor in? And that's, I don't know. The question is tough because if I'm making the decision myself, I think I'm keeping Cardell Williams in because he literally had a perfect passer rating or like he had the perfect stat line as a quarterback, not only 14 of 17 for like 244 yards, he ended up having like 90 yards of rushing. Um, I want to say, yeah, he led the team in yard in rushing yards and yards per average, like average yards per rush, all of that. And so to like lose that, you've got to be a hundred percent confident that Braylon is going to come in and light it up. That's kind of my opinion. And so if that's the case, okay, cool. But we've also seen this coaching staff start Roman Fuller when Cardell Williams was healthy. So I don't know, like it, just because Braylon Braxton, if he does suit up and is the starter, 
Is that the right call? I'm not 100% certain. So like at this point, why not ride the hot hand? Like if Cardell Williams is the guy, give him the confidence, let him run this offense, let him kind of be the face of Tulsa's attacking um, side of the ball. And then, you know, if it turns out he struggles, then Braylon comes in, saves the day, and you move on from there. Like, I don't know. I, I don't envy Wilson, but that's kind of how I see it. I feel like you've got to start with Cardell. Um, but, you know, he's got a leash in terms of if he's throwing picks early, then maybe you, you think about switching. Yeah, um, well said. I don't have a ton to add. I tried to make a like pro-con list of starting Cardell versus starting Braylon Braxton. And you listed him out pretty much. I mean, the pros of starting Cardell is he's he's the he's on fire, right? He's the hot hand. He's shown he can play incredibly well. Um, the team also, you know, and we've talked about this before, the team seems to really like him and rally, rallies around that guy. Uh, he's got a ton of energy, brings a lot of swagger to that offense. All, all great things, right? The con against him is he's young and he is inconsistent, right? We saw that against Northern Illinois. That could very well happen again, although I do think his confidence is probably extremely high right now, um, which I think is good for him. Uh, I think the higher his confidence is going into a game, the better it's going to be for him. It gets bad when his confidence gets low and he kind of starts to spiral a little bit, but that hasn't happened very much. You know, he seems to be a pretty generally a, a, in, a, in a good attitude and good mood. Um, so those are the pros and cons of him. The pros and cons of Bra- of starting Braylon, the pro, the obvious pro is like, we know what he can be, right? We saw him do very well last season in big moments. We saw him beat good teams like Houston. Um, and he has been like, it, it's, it's players have said he's like the emotional leader of this team, right? He is the foundation rock of this team. Um, and so I think we can be, we can probably be more consistent with Braylon Braxton uh, the con, the major con of starting Braylon is if we start Braylon and he's the guy for the rest of the year, Cardell's gone. Somebody's going to take Cardell. He's had five games now to show people what he can do. And in most of those games, he has looked awesome. Like legitimately as a redshirt freshman, he has looked awesome. And people have seen that. The Temple game was on ESPN and there were a lot of, a lot of people watching that game. Uh, so like, some power five school is going to come knocking if either way, honestly, even if he is the starter, but like definitely even more so. And he's going to, going to take it in, in a second if he's on the bench uh, while that's happening. So do you think, so let me ask you, do you think if Cardell starts through the rest of the year, don't you think it would be kind of similar for Braxton? Like he's going to look, be yeah, looking elsewhere. I do. I think it's, I think the chances that we keep both these guys now is very small. And so whoever we go with, you better be very, very, very confident that they are the better of these two quarterbacks, like long-term, right? Uh, who is the guy you want to run the show? They're both young. Braylon Braxton's still a sophomore. Cardo Williams is a Richard freshman. So who do you want to run the show for the next three, four years? Whoever that is, you trot that guy out on the field on Saturday, and you hopefully roll with him um, for the rest of the season, uh, barring any injuries and stuff, you know? Um, because... Man, the, we're probably not going to have both of them. That's just how it goes. People want to play transfer portal era. They've got, they're going to have no problem, either of these guys, getting somewhere else. So, yeah, I mean, we, you just have to – it's going to be tough. And if we make the wrong choice here and all of a sudden, like we say we roll with Braylon and 
Cardell transfers to somewhere else and just like lights it up. We're always gonna be like, oh man, what could have been with Cardell? Um, I have all the confidence in the world in Braylon Braxton still. I know his like his first couple series out there were not awesome, but like I, that, I think that's uh, the exception, not the rule. I, I still think he's a he's an awesome player. So I think we're probably fine, honestly, either way. But I don't think we can plan on keeping both of these guys now that Cardell has just balled out uh, for a few games here. Yeah. One thing. So this literally just popped in my head. Like you can play four games. You can appear in four games and keep your um, like what red shirt status. I don't know if you can do that multiple times or not, but Cardell has no. played in five games this season so far where Braylon has appeared in um, two minutes of one. And so I don't know, like you look back at Houston, uh, who was it a couple of years ago? Um, it was King, right? Uh, yeah, uh, it was the King. And so like he ended up sitting out for Houston. He played like maybe four games if he even made it. Then he transferred out and went to, I don't remember where he ended up going to Miami. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I don't know. You just gotta, you gotta think about that. Like that is still an option for Braylon. So if he is not the starter, do we potentially lose him earlier in the season than if not? And obviously <laughs> I don't think you should make your decision on your starting quarterback because of that. Like, Oh, we might lose this guy. You make the decision based on who's going to win you the football game. Yep. And so like, I think that's what Kevin Wilson will do. You know, just another potential like thing to think about as this situation is probably going to be an all season um, dilemma or Braylon comes out, throws 400 yards, runs for 150 this week. And we're like, okay, you know, he's probably the guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So you said, uh, you said you wanted if you had to choose one, you would you would roll with Cardell. Is that I, right? I I ride with the hot hands. I mean, until Cardell, like, yeah, we've seen the ups and downs, but I mean, I don't know. He just he looked very polished. Um, I don't even want to say looked. I ended up I listened to this game because uh, I was driving down to Dallas, and so I listened to the voice of the Golden Hurricane on ninety nine point five Big Country. Um, Learfield sports. Um, and I've got to tell you, that is probably the first time that I have listened to a full Tulsa game. And it is night and day in terms of like listening to the commentary on ESPN. I heard that this last game was actually pretty good. It was like some of the earlier games that we've, that I've watched this so far this season have been rough. Um, but he, you know, based on everything I heard, he sounded just very polished. Um, there were some, some things that, you know, they were kind of talking about there are times where he would maybe commit to the run a little too early instead of sitting and letting a play develop. And, you know, you kind of say that or he would sack himself uh, as they would kind of talk about as he'd pocket would maybe collapse and he would kind of try and run out of it, take a sack instead of, um, you know, rolling out and trying to find the open. So, you know, there are definitely still some things to work with. But I mean, four of 17, 261 passer rating the QBR on ESPN is like as high as it can possibly go. I mean, you've got people analytics on Twitter, like all these guys who put out charts every week. He has been a couple times in the top right quadrant in terms of efficiency for quarterbacks at the group of five level. He's making like top 20 lists in terms of top 20 quarterbacks in certain weeks that he's played. So I, it would be so hard to bench that. That's all I'm saying. I agree. I, I really, I want, I want it to be Cardell. I want it to be the young, the younger guy 
who's on fire. I want him to be the guy who comes in and stays on fire and is like as, as awesome as we all think he's going to be and can be. Um, the, I think the safer choice is still Braylon. So it's, it's maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's not so I, like all we've seen from him this year was not very good. Uh, but that's nothing, right? That's nothing, but that's probably still in the back of his head. It's like how we started a season. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought about this for like 15 minutes, uh, before we started this thing. And, um, I couldn't make a decision. Uh, I, I, I want it. I want to say Cardell because like you, man, the guy's just, he's fun to watch. He's just a fun player. He's on fire. He's he like the team loves him, all that stuff. I, I love all of that. Um, so I guess I would lean Cardell, you know, if I had to lean a direction. Uh, but man, it feels like it feels like you can't go wrong starting Braylon. And I think he might be the safer call long term. I think he's got a steadier head on his shoulders right now. But that just comes with age like Cardell will get there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm leaning Cardell also. But man, not going to be not going to complain at all if uh, if they roll Braylon out there on Saturday. So at this point, I mean, what's the difference in terms of number of starts that each of them have? Like, it's got to be pretty similar. Yeah, I bet they're almost I bet they're almost the same. Cardell has started. Actually, maybe Cardell has one more. Uh, No, no, because Cardell's. Yeah, yeah, because Cardell's only started two, right? He's just appeared, started. He's been the primary guy in maybe four of them. Yeah. Um, So Braylon started five games now, I think, including game one of this season. Yeah. So the question, I guess it's more of about how much game time has each of them seen. That's probably not super far off uh, from each other. So, okay. And, you know, maybe this is my question and maybe this brings us into another one of our talking points. Um, You know, it's been obviously we've seen some really good offenses. We've seen some really bad offenses so far this season. Um, And maybe we're kind of getting a better look and feel for our defense. And so my thought, just as you were kind of saying that, is like, well, I'm starting to trust our defense now enough that do we need to be, you know, as safe? Or can we kind of like, if Cardell is going to make those mistakes, do we trust our defense at this point enough to bounce back? Like NIU, he made those mistakes. Our offense in general made those mistakes. We had that fumble, like at the six-yard line. Bunch of drop Um, passes. Yeah. And so when our defense was able to kind of withstand those issues and we still pulled out the win you know this week we didn't have we played nearly flawlessly on offense in terms of like turn in terms of turnovers yes flawlessly uh, and our defense you know wasn't asked quite as much and so that's kind of like i don't know maybe we don't need that as safe an option but i don't know it, it could also be what is temple just bad <laughs> yeah yeah well i think temple is definitely bad um but I do think, so here's the thing on the defense, at least where I'm at on the defense, right? Temple's offense, very bad. We knew that going in, um, but like the defense lived up to what they needed to do for the most part against Temple. Really did not let them score very often. I think they actually only scored two offensive touchdowns. Um, but the other, like the thing is, they were kind of like, especially early in the game, they were moving the ball through the air really well on that defense. They were long drives down the field. Um and then the defense would kind of bow up at the end and get the stop and force them either into a field goal or a punt. But like it was, it was the same thing Washington was doing to us. Those quick passes across the middle just carved us up, but you can't do that as much when you're in the red zone. Yeah, it's true. Right. And so it's, it's very much like a bend, but don't break style defense. Um, a lot of dropping eight in coverage again, like we have four on the line, but man, like we'll drop Ben Kapensky into coverage, like somewhat often. It's kind of, kind of crazy. 
Um, so like we are, we're allowing people to move on us more than I would hope, you know, or want, but, uh, at least against temple, we were able to get the stops and, or at least st- keep them out of the end zone and force them into field goals. So yeah, you know, I don't think it's an amazing defense or anything like that, but I do think they are a capable defense and I think they're getting better. You know, it's still new first year coordinator, late first year coordinator. who's still like trying to settle, settle things in there. Um, but again, like like you said, Temple number one hundred twenty one offense in SP plus. There's one hundred thirty three FBS teams. Um, they're not very good offensively. Uh, but like, man, for for all the yards they give up, there have been more turnovers this year than like, man. I, I want to know how many turnovers we had all season last season on defense because we already have like five this year. Like we had another we had another two turnovers I think in this game. An interception from Jace Oliver and the fumble recovery by Dane Hodge or fumble forced by Dane Hodge and then Julian Simon, I think, recovered that one. Uh, so it's looking pretty good, you know, for all the yards they give up. At least they're causing some chaos and getting the ball back for the offense. So generally, the defense is looking better. You know, I know everybody's hair was on fire after OU in Washington, and that makes sense, right? Like we didn't stop them once. I don't think there was actually one stop uh, between maybe there was one between those two games and. We were like, okay, I mean, ideally, you'd like to stop them a couple times, even if they're really good, you know, and we just didn't do that. Um, but now we really are like the last few games, they've they've played much better, honestly, or obviously against much worse offenses. But still, you're getting you're getting stops, you're capable of stopping somebody. So I think we're good ish on defense. I think we're going to continue to get better. There's a lot of young guys on that on that group. Um, so tighten up the pass defense a bit, and I think we're looking pretty good. Um, held Temple to 44 rushing yards. The rush defense was awesome in that game, and they are known for running the ball somewhat well. So, um, or at least they have been. Maybe not this season as much, but yeah, tighten it up on pass defense a bit, and I think we're we're looking pretty good. So I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty solid going into FAU. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel like you know if you look at our games that we've played so far this year. Um, I feel less confident going into FAU than I did against NIU. Um, I feel like NIU is just kind of is really bad. Um, FAU is just bad. Um, and I mean, they've obviously lost their quarterback and, you know, we'll come back. We'll come to back to that when we're talking FAU more down the road, but no, I, I agree. I mean, I feel like this is a team, what we saw this week with our schedule, like we are a very competitive team for our schedule. You know, you still got the two games that I think are where we should definitely be underdogs. Um, this week is not one of those games, I will say, but the SMU and Tulane one, I, I still, you know, I, I understand that those teams have looked, you know, like and those two in Memphis, I think so far have definitely looked really strong um, in terms of how, you know, how they've played um, for, for the most part. Memphis, I don't know. You've seen them live. I haven't. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a team that, especially on defense, is going to, we're not going to get blown out by teams um, like we were earlier this season. I think those are, you know, luck of the draw. You play two top 10 offenses. You're going to look bad. And, uh, you know, you you look at the, I don't know how many people follow like football analytics on Twitter or thing like that. Um, but the stat of war, uh, account, you know, he's a TCU guy. He does really cool game preview, things like that for every one of Tulsa's games. You know, we've got a lot of red, which red is bad. Blue is good. Uh, I think there was like one thing for this week's game that was blue and 
you know, I, I feel like those results are so skewed by our early season slate versus now. Um, and, you know, we're beating up on teams that are and beating up is strong for um, the win over Northern Illinois, but we beat up on a Temple team, you know, that's maybe not that good. Um, and so maybe your metrics don't change. So I, I feel like a lot of people are going to sleep on Tulsa this year. And I think that's kind of the, that's this week. Um, sorry. I feel like I'm going into a tangent. I kind of hyper-focused on the FAU part of how you ended your, your latest point. Um, I'll just end with, yeah, I agree. I think this team, you know, there's some, there's some definite things that they can clean up, but I think causing turnovers is huge. I think not giving up touchdowns until it really doesn't matter that much is great. Um, I think there was a point that you made on Twitter that, um, you know, looking at just our non Washington and OU games, I think we had given up touchdowns on like three out of 28 drives. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like that's, that's what I think that maybe we can expect. Yeah, certainly hoping so. Feeling good going into FAU. Um, we'll get to that in a bit, but last let's one more thing before we switch to uh, players of the game here and kind of close out the recap section. Um, wanted to ask you about the end of the first half. Uh, we had last drive of the first half. We had about two and a half minutes left. Um, we very well could have gone down and tried to score some more points. We were up 21 to three at the time. We're having no trouble moving the ball all game, all first half. And we ran out the clock. Basically we're very content with running out the clock, getting to halftime going up, going into the half 21 to three. We got the ball back to start off the second half, all that stuff. Um, thought it was weird. The announcers kind of thought it was weird, uh, that we didn't like try to score with all that time, especially with how we'd been moving. Um, so what do you think about that? You think we should have pushed more to score or do you think that was the right move to kind of, you know, you know, you're controlling this game, take it into halftime. You're going to get the ball back anyway. Yeah. This is one I actually had to look up after the fact because I lost, like I went out of internet service, uh, and I was streaming the game through like, uh, big countries app because I was out of radio signal. Mm -hmm. And so I lost it for like maybe two and a half minutes and it was right when we got the ball back and I was like, Oh, okay. There's plenty of time. Like I'll get in and you know, see how this drive ends up. And I got in and it was halftime. What what happened? How did this drive end so quickly? And so, yeah, going back and seeing that I was like, that's kind of weird. I feel like I get it. You're getting the ball back. You don't want to risk anything. I, I understand that, but the way we were moving the ball early, like, why not just put your, like, pedal to metal, like, try and knock them out early? You know, there's a there's a chance that Temple, you know, has really good adjustments coming out of halftime. And all of a sudden, things that weren't working or things that were working aren't going to work going into that. So, I don't know. I would have loved to see some more aggression. But, you know, going into halftime, tw- like, up 21 to, um, it's 21 to 3 at half, right? Mm-hmm. So... Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll still take that. Yeah. I thought it was weird. You know, I, like you said, I understand it. Um, but it was a very conservative call there. It, it felt like there might've been some confusion going on the sideline. Like nobody could make up their mind on what they wanted to do for a while. Maybe I was just misreading that on TV, but that's what it looked kind of looked like. And then, you know, after a minute went by, we were just like, okay, well now we're out of time. Let's just run it out. Um, I don't know if that's what went down. We did like waste a couple of our timeouts in the first half. So maybe that's part of it is, you know, we real, you know, maybe there's that initial confusion and then you're like, well, we don't have enough timeouts to recover from this. And so it's not, you know, at that point, 
you don't want to force something um, when you're going to get the ball back anyways. Like, I guess that makes sense, but it's kind of like, if that's the reason, that's not a very good reason. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, like it was a it was an oddly conservative call for what was very much not a conservatively called game. Um, specifically, like toward the end of the game, we were still pushing. Uh, we were up big. I, it was like I think this was our last touchdown of the game. It was probably forty-one to something, fourteen. 18. I don't know. Um, forty-one and, to eighteen. Okay, yeah, forty-one to eighteen, and it was like fourth and five from like you know not right on the goal line, probably the twenty or something. Twenty-two and yard line. Twenty-two. Twenty. Okay, yeah, and. Uh, we decide to go for it and Cardell just like takes it straight into the end zone. Like we, we go for it on fourth and five from the 22 uh, up by 30 or whatever. And we score again, right? Like we're just punishing this team uh, temple for like even showing up. I mean, and if they're going to leave the, leave the lanes wide open and just let you trot into the end zone. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. Why you, not? You kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, so like, yeah, I guess that that's true. Um, but like a very not conservative game. We, we took a bunch of deep shots, a lot of the game, like made a lot of those plays. And uh, this was just kind of a weird one um, to end the, to end the first half. So yeah, kind of weird. Just want to get your thoughts on that one. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Cause I wonder if you like, if you look at the box score and you're like, Oh man, 53 rushing plays to 17 yard passing plays. Like, was this a conservative game plan just in general? Some say conservative. I say Temple cannot stop the run, and we just have a five-headed like running yeah. uh, attack. So, I mean, you had Anthony Watkins had a touchdown. Taj Gary had that 40-yard run. Cardell Williams, um, you know, we already talked about with that 22-yard touchdown and had 90 overall. Bill Jackson came in, was averaging five on his six carries. I think, you know, the only one who did not have a good game was probably Jordan Ford. Um you know, had eight total attempts, which puts him, you know, second overall from the running back room in terms of carries, but it's pretty like compared to Watkins's 20, mm-hmm. not like not even half of that. And then only had 22 yards on that. So obviously, you know, like Gary's 40 yard touchdown accounts for two thirds of his overall yards and things like that. But it's kind of interesting, you know, you have Jordan Ford, coming in as the number one guy at the start of the year. And now he's just kind of like maybe having the least efficient um, in these last couple of games. Yeah. Very weird. We also got Cam Crooks in there. Freshman uh, listed as a wide receiver on the roster, but he came in and was running the ball a little bit in there at the end of the game. So that was kind of cool too. But yeah, weird about Jordan Ford. Um, It just, you know, I think it's just a different, it seems to be kind of a different guy every game. Um, Watkins has kind of emerged as as the most consistent now in the last three games or so, but uh, it's still it's it's been kind of it's by committee and it's been rolling across the board here. So kind of weird to see. I'm happy that Watkins ended up being kind of the, <laughs> taking it because that meant my three leg parlay on Tulsa Sports ended up hitting, <laughs> and Tulsa won me another sixty dollars. Very nice, very nice. So. All right, good stuff. Uh, let's keep moving on to players of the game here. Um, Start with offense. Feels like an easy one. Last episode was two weeks ago. I don't remember who went first. I went first. Okay, I'll take I'll take the easy the easy win here. Then I am gonna say Bill Jackson. No, I did Cardell Williams, uh, the lightning strike red shirt freshman quarterback. Almost a flawless game. We've talked about him plenty. I'm not gonna draw this one out. Uh, 14 of 17, 244 yards, three touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground. AAC offensive player of the week. In addition to all that stuff, really awesome. Um, he looked great. 
you look across the board, the guys he was throwing to, Marquis Shoulders, five catches, 76 yards, two touchdowns. Devin Williams, four catches, 75 yards, one touchdown, including that incredible sideline catch. It was so sick. This dude is a freshman, and he catches a like 40-yard bomb down the sideline, toe dragon over the sideline, all that stuff. NFL catch right there. Really young guy. On the uh, on the radio, on like the Kevin Wilson show um, this week with Bruce, uh, Bruce straight up asked Coach Wilson, like, hey, did you know he could, you know, Devin Williams could make a play like that? And Wilson was like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think he could. Or I didn't know he could. Um, he was really surprised and impressed by that play. You know, Devin's a young guy. He was not on anybody's radar screen early this season. And uh, man, he is. He's really stepped up in a big way. Um you know, this we haven't talked about Braylon Presley. He's he's very much MIA again. No catches in this game. He only has three on the season. Uh, so n- TBD on what he whatever he's up to. Maybe he's dealing with something. But man, uh, at least we've got Devin Williams stepping up to the plate here, and then Marquis Shoulders continues to be uh, Mister Consistent out there. Yeah, no, I was going to kind of say that. I feel like our biggest concern um, coming into this year on the offensive side was the wide receiver room, and I've been pleasantly surprised in how good they have been and you know we're obviously still missing our um you know top returner that we thought was going to be huge uh you know a huge part of this wide receiving room and so these young guys have just looked really good especially like you already mentioned uh you know the top two and marquise um and devin but then like camden benjamin has looked good carl chester had a big yeah i think he had he had the first reception of this game uh for just a nice 30-yard bomb um, to kind of kick things off. And so, you know, just really impressive. We haven't seen a lot of tight end play, but I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Luke McGarry was listed as like a player of the game this week. Um, and I've got to assume, and I love that TU is doing this because it makes it so much easier for us to see like, okay, what went well is like NIU, they had offensive linemen as their offensive player of the game. And they had a tight end here, not because he was super active in the passing attack or things like that, but because of how impactful he was you know, on the line of scrimmage. And obviously we kind of talked about, we had five and a half yards um, per rushing attempt. So offensive line play has just been really good these last two games. Uh, So I just kind of want to, you know, make sure that everyone's getting a shout out. Um, But still, I mean, if there is one guy that is head and shoulders above everybody on the offense this week, it is obviously Cardell Williams. You know, like he's, he was just pretty almost perfect. Where are you seeing the players of the game from TU? They posted it on, they had some graphic, um, just like on Twitter, on, on Twitter. Like, wow. I think it, I thought it was Thursday night. That's cool. Um, I missed that. Yeah. The, Cause the thing that I always notice is they also have like the brand with three stripes, which is that like an Adidas thing? It, it's always confused me. But I, don't I guess know why they have that sort of the Adidas logo. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Um, but if we want to switch to defense, I will start yep. with defense, which is fun uh, because I feel like I get to, we get to say somebody new or at least I will. Uh, and that is the guy who came in for, I believe it was Kanayan, Kanayan Williams, right? That's his last name. Yep. Another. Yeah. Okay. I was like, it's well, like, everybody can't be Williams. Lots of Williams. Um, but I knew it. Uh, Kanayan Williams was injured this game. And so up steps Dane Hodge and Dane Hodge looked really good. You know, he led the team in tackles and he had a forced fumble that I think this one actually resulted in a touchdown. There were two turnovers, pretty much back to back drives against Temple. One was an interception by Jace Oliver, and then there was the forced fumble by Dane Hodge. Uh, and we ended up scoring with a short field. And I mean, he just, you know, I think he's, uh, is he a redshirt sophomore? Um, 
I want to say. Redshirt sophomore. Nailed it. Um, yeah. And I mean, he just looked good. He looked good out there. Yeah, agreed. I had him too. Um, eight tackles. See, I think that was either second on the team or tied for first with Kendarin Ray. Um, one force fumble. We mentioned that Julian Simon picked it up. We scored on that drive. He's a walk-on man that makes it so much cooler. Walk-on sophomore from Rock Island, Illinois. He followed up that, uh, like that fumble, you know, the, the fumble force fumble against temple this past game, two games ago against Northern Illinois. He had the incredible diving interception, um, in his home state of Illinois. Very cool. So yeah, couldn't be happier for him. He's getting a lot of like hype and publicity this week because of those two weeks, uh, he was on the American like digital network thing, interviewing with Morgan Uber there. And, um, really cool to see, you know, he is, you know, he's been with the program for three years. First time he's getting really any meaningful playing time. Um, he's, he's been here and there on special teams over the years, but this is his kind of, this is a big year for him and he's getting even more time because of Kanayan Williams being out LJ Wallace being out. He's a, he's a safety, right? And so those two guys now, one of them probably out for, for the year, uh, in LJ Wallace and then Kanayan Williams dealing with an injury right now. Um, he's getting a lot of time and he's making the most of that time. And he looks awesome out there. Like that, that pick against Northern Illinois was incredible. Full out, full layout interception. It was, it was amazing. And then the forced fumble this last game was so cool. Helmet right on the ball, knocked it right out of there. Perfect tackle. It was, he exploded into that tackle too. And, uh, and Julian Simon's there to pick it up. Really nice. Cool. Uh, last one, special teams. Um, I don't know. I have Chase Meyer for this. I didn't know who to pick. Uh, he's still perfect on the year from field goals. He went two for two in the game on Thursday, uh, 36 yarder and six for six on extra points. So, um, pretty good, pretty good day for him. There's something to be said about not even worrying about the kicking game. Um, you know, it's not something that Tulsa fans have always been able to say. It's true. Uh, and so it's, it's nice to not have to worry about that. So the one, and I don't know if it's on him. I didn't see this play, but I feel like you knew it was coming because everybody hyped about how Tulsa was number one in special teams efficiency into <laughs> yeah. this game. And of course, as soon as that happens, you know, we have the kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, I saw it was a 95 yard return. So if Chase was doing the kickoff, then that's a bummer because it didn't get to the end zone and they were able to return it for a touchdown. I don't know if he actually did that. That is not something that I can see anywhere uh, that I have that I have open right now. But, you know, just a letdown to to kind of see that. I feel like our special teams had been good and to kind of give up a touchdown like that. That's where I was worried in this game. Like if there was going to be a point where the ship starts to fall apart, it would be there. But I thought the team, you know, recovered right away, uh, turned around and scored a touchdown on the next drive. So, you know, didn't let that mistake compound into more and more mistakes throughout the rest of the you know game yep agreed good point and uh good call out on the who who kicked that off i don't know for sure but i do know it wasn't always chase meyer doing the kickoffs in this last game and i think this is the first game of the year where it hasn't been him or at least the first one i noticed uh michael slaba uh was doing some of the kickoffs in this one and not sure if he did the one that got returned but either way um They've been splitting duties or Slava has taken over uh, near the end of the game. So we'll see who does the kickoffs um, this week against Florida Atlantic, but good call out. Cool. Last things, uh, penalties. Super, super clean game on both sides, honestly. Tulsa, two penalties, 15 yards. That is is amazing. Uh, Temple, 
three penalties, also 15 yards. Extremely clean. Not much being called out there. Um, really, really good stuff. So that you don't get much better than than two penalties in an entire game, uh, except for one or zero. But man, that's that's tough to do. Uh, injuries. I can only remember one off the top of my head, uh, but it's a big one. It was Marquis Shoulders, and I don't think he came back in that game, uh, which is a huge bummer. So I don't know the extent of that injury. Matt, have you heard anything um, on Shoulders or his status? I have not. Okay, yeah. So we'll see on him. Man, we, I know we just talked up the receivers a lot, but like one of those two consistent guys is Marquis Shoulders. The other one, Devin Williams. Like Cam Benjamin and Carl Chester had like pretty big plays in this game, but they have not been the most consistent guys out there. Uh, it's been Shoulders and Williams. So if Shoulders is out um, against FAU, that, uh, that's got some serious implica- implications for that game. So we'll see what happens with him. I haven't heard anything on him, but um, he got hurt, and I don't think he came back in. So something to watch for. All right, let's move to the FAU preview. We're already at about 50 minutes here. Um, so we're not going to blaze through this with the intention of blazing through this. I just don't have that much to say, really. I don't know FAU that well. Um, we just went on an FAU like YouTube show, but we were talking about Tulsa. Like I got one na- one extra name I can mention uh, that they specifically called out, and then obviously I can call out some of the guys who are leading the team statistically. Uh, but yeah, they are, they're one and three. Um, they've played uh, a pretty tough schedule so far. They started off with Monmouth, um, and then they beat somebody that I can't remember. And they have two power five losses in, um, Clemson and Illinois. They beat Monmouth and then lost to Ohio Clemson, Ohio. That's who it was. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. One and three. Um, and yeah, last year they were five and seven, four and four in conference USA. Uh, they, you know, they still are projected to win this game. They're four point. They opened as four point favorites. Last I saw it was down to three and a half. Maybe it's back up to four by now. I'm not sure. Rolling um, my eyes at that. I am. It is. It is kind of, it was, it is bizarre. And we can talk about that maybe at the end of this preview. Um, but yeah, very weird that we are underdogs in this one. Uh, but anyway, coaching staff, head coach, Tom Herman. Everybody should know who that is. He had coached at Houston for a long time. Very successful tenure at Houston there. Parlayed that into a job at Texas. Uh, Did not do as well there. Um, Got ousted at Texas and uh, has kind of been wandering around since then. Uh, But now he's back at FAU and is in a head coaching role again. So it'll be kind of fun to see him, even though I don't really uh, love the dude. Um, He seems like kind of an asshole, but whatever. Uh, He's back. Kind of fun to play against. So I do enjoy that. Um, their offensive coordinator is Charlie Fry. Their defensive coordinator is Rock Bellantoni. FAU was number 104 in the SP Plus rankings. That is 114th in offense and 84th in defense. They have fallen far, over 30 spots since week one. They were number 71 week one of the SP Plus rankings, 104th now. That is in large part due to their starting quarterback, Casey Thompson, who you might know from Nebraska and Texas, previous starting roles at both of those schools. He is out for the season, went out in week three against Clemson, tore his ACL in that game, uh, and he has been, he's obviously done uh, for the year. So he's out. In comes Central Michigan transfer Daniel Richardson, who started at Central Michigan last year, um, had an okay year, not that good. So far this season in three games, 57% completion percentage, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, they are still, even with him, much more reliant on the pass than they are on the run. 926 receiving yards versus 398 rushing yards on the year. Uh, that is a huge disparity. And those receiving yards are pretty much all to largely one person. And that is, this is the guy that FAU called out while I was on their show. 
Um, this is junior wide receiver Lejonte Wester. He is by far their favorite and most dangerous target of their 926 receiving yards. He has 401 of them himself, and two of them are touchdown or two touchdowns as well. Uh, the other guys in the very distant second and third are sophomore Tony Johnson, senior Jaquan Burton. Um, I think. Burton seems like the more dangerous of those two guys. Burton's been out for the last several games, and his numbers are still almost in second place. So I would watch out for him. There's a chance he comes back in this one, the FAU guys told me. Uh, so if they've got Wester and Burton on the field, um, that is a potentially very dangerous receiving core that they've got. Uh, what they told me about uh, Daniel Richardson, their, their new quarterback, their backup guy after Casey Thompson went out, is he is pretty good. Um, definitely not as good as Casey Thompson. Uh, doesn't have the running game that Casey Thompson does. He's much more of a pure pocket passer, um, but also is a little bit less accurate, right? I think Casey Thompson was like 62, 63% uh, through his several games this year. Um, Daniel Richardson sitting at 57, like I mentioned. So um, definitely a downgrade at quarterback. I mean, that's going to happen when you lose your your big time transfer coming from uh, Nebraska and Casey Thompson and uh, from Texas before that. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but I think they're vulnerable offensively. Uh, defensively, they are a little bit better. Um, 84th in defense. Uh, like I mentioned to the FAU guys, I haven't watched hardly any of their games. So I, I wish I could give you a better real preview here other than breaking down the stats for them. Um, but man, we've just been at Tulsa games every week. So I've just been watching Tulsa and very little other football. It's just been the game I'm at and pretty much nothing else. So finally, I'll be able to, uh, to watch some, to actually watch some games this weekend, uh, cause I'm not going anywhere. So that'll be nice. Um, but yeah, those are the main guys. Um, Daniel Richardson, quarterback, Lejonte Wester and Jaquan Burton. If he's in and healthy at receiver, Tony Johnson, um, is, is kind of the third guy at receiver. Running back by committee very much, uh, although there is kind of like us by committee, there is one kind of top dog here, um, but their committee is senior Larry McCammon, sophomore Zuberry Mobley, and senior Kobe Lewis. Uh, the top dog of, the, of that group is clearly uh, Larry McCammon. Um, he's averaging 6.4 yards a carry on 37 carries combined to just 22 and 20 carries for the other two guys, respectively. Um, they only have two rushing touchdowns on the season. Uh, and that is uh, kind of surprising. Like they are, like I mentioned already, very pass heavy um, and still have maintained that even with their backup guy in there. Uh, and only one of those rushing touchdowns is from a running back. The other one's by a backup quarterback who is not Daniel Richardson. So um, kind of up and down uh, offensively. We'll see what happens. Number 114 offense, like I mentioned in SP plus. So not an offense that's going to torch you all game long, which is why I think we have a really good chance that our defense playing well in this game offense if they show up and are consistent should be able to take on the 84th ranked defense and put up some points on them i feel good about it um matt we opened as i mentioned already we we opened as a four-point underdog in this one last i saw it was down to three and a half so moving tulsa's direction a little bit uh what do you think happens in this game well so i was interested that we opened as underdogs like i look at that and i'm I, I just feel like people haven't really been watching. And I would have thought after playing on a Thursday night game, you know, like we are one of two games that is on, you know, people would actually kind of notice and be like, oh, maybe this team shouldn't be slept on. And I think a lot of the projections have Tulsa actually winning this game. You know, it's essentially a coin toss. Um, so maybe that makes sense why they get the edge because it's a home game for them. But like I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't see us as underdogs to an FAU. I see us as, at the very least, an even, you know, a 
you know, zero point spread um, kind of thing, even on the road. You know, maybe we haven't looked as good on the road as we have at home. I tend not to believe that there is truly a difference uh, between the two, especially like, okay, maybe different. If you're playing at like Washington, that's kind of different um, because, you know, that environment is so massive in comparison uh, versus like on the road at FAU. I feel like that doesn't have as much of an impact as maybe people would say that there is. Um, so I, I put, I would put money. Um, I have uh, put money that Tulsa wins this game straight up. Like I, I look at their schedule and yeah, FAU is one and three against a relatively comp like hard schedule, you know, easy win against Monmouth FCS. Ohio is four and one beat Iowa state, like has some pretty solid wins. Illinois, 58th, I think, in SP overall in Clemson. You know, maybe I think a lot of people got the impression that Clemson's having a down year because they lost to Duke and, you know, they lost to Florida State. But Clemson is still like number 14th in SP+. So, you know, they have not had an easy schedule either. And they're coming off a bye week. You know, so there are a lot of things, I think, potentially that could fall into place for FIU. But I, FAU, sorry, not FI, that's... Yeah, that's the one in conference. How dare still. you? Yeah, I know. They would probably be really offended. I, I bet there's <laughs> um, rivalry there. Cause, yes. But I I just feel like losing your starting quarterback and not having the caliber of player like Cardell Williams to come in and replace him is just so hard. Like Tom Herman worked with him, uh, him being Casey Thompson at Texas. So like he brought in a quarterback that he was familiar with that he could actually build a game plan around. And now you've got Daniel Richardson from who, you know, it was not a bad quarterback at central Michigan last year necessarily, but very different style of player. Whereas Tulsa, our starter and backup, very similar style can easily, you know, like you can run the same sort of offense with either of them. And so like, that's where I, I wish they didn't have their bye week last week. That's the one thing that kind of trips me up is because they've had that extra two weeks to kind of maybe tweak their offense around their new guy. Um, but really, I just feel like there's you kind of you're looking at three players here and you've kind of already talked about them. But the, the guys that you got to make sure you're you're watching Daniel Richardson, Larry McCammon and um, LeJonte Wester, like everyone else could. But I mean, those are their big three guys. And so just lock that down and, you know, feeling good. So I think this is a win. I think we win by, uh, I will say, I'll say a touchdown. So I could see us going in and winning 28 to 21. Nice, man. Almost spot on. With I, I had it at 31, 21. Um, I've got us winning by 10 in this one. Uh, you mentioned the road, you know, does, does the road environment really matter at a place like Florida Atlantic or, or lots of the teams in, in the American, um, I still think it does. Like, obviously, dur- the in during the game, it's not going to matter as much, you know, like, because the crap, like, in terms of pure crowd noise, it's just not there as much as, you know, playing a Washington or an OU on the road or even at home. Um, <laughs> but you, like, you look at any anytime you go on the road, it's just the routine is totally different. You have to travel there. You're getting up early. You got to figure out what the field looks like. The locker room is different. You're not used to everything. You got to sleep in a weird hotel, all this stuff, right? Um And that matters, you know, like we played so bad at Northern Illinois. I have to imagine we would have played better at Cardell Cardell only plays well in prime time, only in prime time An an 11 o'clock Saturday game 
I, you know, I'd be asleep too for that one. You know, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, he's a young guy. He's probably getting up for the, he's going to play on ESPN 5 PM. He feels like the kind of guy that's going to really get up for that kind of stuff. So honestly, I bet there's something a little bit to that uh, as much as you're joking about it. Like that's like people do like you get, you definitely get up more for games like that. Especially we if had, like we had a Mr. Prime time on our team. I know it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I forgot his name, but the linebacker. Um, yeah. I also forgot. You can, Matt. You can't bring him up and then not know his name. I know. I, you know, I have. Yeah, it. look lo- that up. Look that up right now. I'm talking. He's probably 2019 linebacker. Yeah. Um, Connor uh, Cooper Edmiston. Yes. Got it. Yes. There we go. Man, money saved us. <laughs> Save the day. Uh, but yeah, like you know, we haven't played that well on the road so far this year. But there were Tulsa. There were there were definitely times under Phil Montgomery where we played better on the road than we did at home. You know, because it's like. The distractions aren't there. The girlfriend's not there. The family's not there. It's just it's just you and the team on the road. You're locked in. At least that's that's how it should be, right? And there's some greens to that too. So I don't know. I, maybe you're right. Maybe it maybe in the end it is kind of a wash and like it doesn't actually matter that much. But so far we have certainly played better at home at least this year. Uh, but yeah, I've got it. I've got it at ten. Um, I think we're gonna win it relatively comfortably. Like it's not gonna be a blowout win, but I think we'll win. I don't. Man, I'd be surprised. I'd be very surprised if we lost this game. I just, I don't feel that scared, you know, of them. I would feel much more scared if Casey Thompson were there. I'd feel much more scared if I knew that their their kind of second best receiver was also going to be there and Jaquan Burton. Uh, but it sounds like he's more more on the trend of not going to play this game than than will. So we'll see. Um, so yeah, feeling feeling pretty comfortable with it. I think we should win. We looked. I know this is probably like. We're feeling really good after the Temple game. That wasn't like you couldn't play that game any better. And I'm sure that's rubbing off on us right now. But uh, man, you got it. Like that's confidence you're going to take into this game against your second American Conference opponent. You're trying to go 2-0 and in the league. And um, this is their first conference game. So you're trying to get them. So I think it's going to be good. I think we're going to win it. This game is the crux of do we have an 8-4 and four season um, or are we going to just like go bowling? Like I feel like this is that, this is yeah. that game. This is a huge one. Um, Agree. And as the season, as we've kind of seen, I am now scared, more scared of Rice than I am of FAU. Yep. Honestly, I agree with you. I think so too. Cool. All right. So you've got a 28-21. I said 31-21. We've got, both got wins. Both got us beating that spread, taking, getting the win overall. I'm feeling good about the game. Okay. Let's wrap this thing. Let's do a quick look around the conference. We're now into only conference play. I don't know if there were, maybe there was a non-conference game this week. I don't, I don't remember North, if there North was Texas or. and Memphis both played non-con. Oh shoot. Yeah. I have one of those as my, as my biggest win. What am I, what am I looking at here? It's been too long since I took these notes. You um, see over in Abilene Christian biggest win. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. That was it for sure. Uh, I'm not going to, we're already going a little, little longer than we were hoping. So I'm not going to talk through like what happened in these games, but I do want to break down just like what, what we thought were the biggest Biggest win, worst loss, and the the weird result of the week. Um, so for me, biggest win was Memphis over Boise, thirty five to thirty two. Those are two like solid teams right there. Mizzou almost like Memphis almost got Mizzou uh, a couple weeks back. Um, only lost to him by a score, I think it ended up. Maybe it was ten in the end, um, but a really competitive game the entire time. Uh, Memphis right now is sitting at number 47 in the SB plus rankings and Boise is 53 and that's after the loss. Right. So that was a neck and neck game. Um, was that game, Matt, do you have it up? Was that game at Memphis? I can't remember anymore. I don't have my notes open. What? Yes. Yep. It was at Memphis. Okay. So they got the win at home, close game, all game. Um, good stuff. So a nice win for them. That's what I had as the biggest win. Did you have anything different, Matt? 
Uh, the only other one that I had was USF beaten up on Navy 44 to 30. Uh, just yeah. because it's so unusual to see that. Like, well, that's USF what I had. Now- <laughs> you say unusual, and that's actually what I had as my my weird result of the week. Like, USF seems like they're for real, man. Two FBS wins after, I think the, <laughs> they were saying that, uh, what's his name? Um, is it Gortesh? Gorlash? Gorsesh? Uh, their coach, Alex Golesh. Golesh. Um, I was almost there. <laughs> He's already matched his predecessor's FBS wins yeah. in five games. Right. Like, that's just wild. So that, that was, is. you know, big win for USF side. Yeah, no doubt. And like they they seem like the real deal. Another team that I haven't actually watched many games of this year so far for the same reasons as all the other ones. I just haven't watched that much college football on TV. I've only been watching TU at the games. Um, but man, they feel like they're real. Like they have now beaten Navy and Rice. Rice looks pretty good. Navy is always weird, you know, and they took care of them both. So and Navy handily. That's a 14-point win right there. So, yeah, that's my weird result of the week. It's your biggest one of the week. What do you have as your worst loss of the week? Uh, Rice beating East Carolina from an East Carolina perspective. Me too. East Carolina has just looked awful. Yeah, dude. Like, lose by a touchdown on the road. So, they're probably underdogs in that game. I give that – I'll give it to them there. But I do not know – how East Car- I feel like a lot of East Carolina fans are really pissed that they are one and four to start the year. Yeah, man. I don't know. If, I don't know what their expectations were. I kind of figure, you know, the thought was most people thought that East Carolina would take a step back. Um, you lose your 12 year quarterback and you're kind of expecting that a little bit. I don't know if they, anybody was expecting this far of a fall. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so. I think everybody's pretty pissed right now. Um, after after that after that loss, uh, they've got a buy. I think this coming week and the Boneyard podcast put on Twitter. There's actually a very funny tweet. I know we like to kind of rag on the Boneyard guys every now and then, uh, but their their tweet was like, "Or ECU's got a buy this weekend. The line opens as ECU 15 point underdogs <laughs> or something like that over buy, uh, which is you know it was it was much better worded than in my vomit right there, but it was close to something like that and it was really funny. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody did expect ECU to be bad uh, or at least this bad this 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 fast. Um, we mentioned FAU already in SP plus like week one they were 71 or something and now they are like 100 and something. Uh, let me let me scroll back up. I have it in my notes here. Uh, now they're 114 and open at 71, right? So a huge drop for FAU there, from week one. 104 there, 114 on offense. Uh, yes, sorry, man. Overall. Skimming my notes too fast. 104 overall. So 71 to 104 for FAU. And then you look at East Carolina, week one, they were 87th. Now they're 105th. So not as bad of a drop, but still almost 20 point drop right there uh, oh, for the Pirates. 104, 105, 106, 107. FAU, ECU, USF, Rice. Like that, that is the American quadrant. <laughs> it's a rough year for the American. Uh, I don't follow any Mountain West accounts, but I am sure that they are on average better than us and making that known uh, to anyone who will listen. So we are below the Mountain West and the Sun Belt in aggregate SP plus ranking this year. Damn. Yeah. Not a good look for the American in week one of the new look American. Everybody looks kind of bad except for your, your top three dogs and, and maybe us making a late push here. Uh, but it's pretty much Tulane, Memphis, SMU and everybody else. Right. Um, so hopefully we'll get there. Hopefully we'll get there. I think we can, I think we can play with all those teams. So we'll see. But cool. All right. We went a little bit over an hour, but not too bad. I know we, you know, we, we took a couple breaks in there. Um, when we cut this down, maybe we'll be close to it, but all in all, pretty good. Hour 10-ish. 
Uh, so let's close out here. Matt, do you have anything else before we, uh, we shut this thing down? No, sir. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Um, if you're not already, make sure you're following us on your podcast player of choice. That way, you'll get updates whenever we have a new episode out there. Uh, while you're doing that, drop us a rating and a review. Um, they really do help us out. We love to see them. We will read out five-star reviews live on the show uh, if you drop us one there, a written one. Um, we do all this totally for free. There's no ads on the show. We don't charge anything for any of the content on the website or anything like that. Um, so if you want to help us out financially, you can do that. There's four ways listed on our website, thegoldenhurricast.com slash support. You'll find all those ways. Um, it'd be awesome. And finally, you can find us on Twitter slash X at Golden Hurricast, all one word there, or you can send us an email if you'd rather do that. Email address is thegoldenhurricast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. Stay golden. Stay golden.